Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy meets people. Climate change calls for us to put our money where our mouth is. Corporations and governments have committed to sustainable finance. Is that enough to help us meet the net zero emissions goal of the Paris Agreement? If not, what more can be done to bridge this gap? That's where Transition Finance steps in. I'm Robin Allison Davis, and today we're discussing transition finance with Kate Levick, Associate Director of Sustainable Finance for the E3G Think Tank, and Elia Triple, OECD Policy Analyst on Green Finance and Investment. In the coming days, the OECD is releasing their guidance on transition finance ahead of the OECD Forum on Green Finance and Investment. But first, what is transition finance? Let's start a bit more broadly when it comes to the environment and finance. There's a lot of different terminology out there. We know about green finance, sustainable finance. Kate, can you explain to our listeners what transition finance is and why it's so important? Sure. Well, the world needs to undergo a massive economic transition to achieve a resilient net zero emissions state. And a huge amount of investment is needed to create that transition. Actually, a great deal of the investment is not only in things that are already green, but in the kind of improvements and changes that we need to get to the net zero state. So this is really why the concept of transition finance has become so popular now. Um, People have been working on green finance for a long time and have realized that green finance doesn't cover the entirety of the kind of investments that need to be made. And that often when we talk about transition finance, we can encompass that whole spectrum that includes all the investments we need along the way to get to that end state. You work for the think tank E3G. How does your work at E3G contribute to advance the transition finance agenda? Yeah, so E3G is a think tank that focuses on the politics of the climate transition. Um, Its headquarters in London has worked in Europe um, for a long time and at an international level. We also have an office in Washington, D.C., and um, is really focused on how the political decisions are made that will enable the world to reach that climate safe transition. Now, that um, plays out in a number of different spaces in the world of diplomacy, um, in the world of risk and security, um, and energy transition, for example. But um, you know, one place is in the world of finance, and I lead our program of work around sustainable finance. So we're looking at sort of national and regional policy change and regulations. We're looking at international standards Um, and the political dynamics of those. As we hear from Kate, Transition Finance aims to fix the challenges of sustainable finance. Elliot Triple, OECD analyst, explains what they are. What are some of the challenges of sustainable finance? How does Transition Finance work to fix them? So there is a worry that existing sustainable finance approaches don't always include all the sectors that they need to include. And they might leave some countries behind, and in particular, emerging markets and developing economies. And that's because sustainable finance often ends up being a bit limited to being this kind of point in time assessment of things that are already sustainable today. So one classic example is renewable energy. Everybody agrees that wind power is good for the climate. And that is something that we can see today. We assess a project that might be an investment in a wind farm, and we can say, okay, well, this is clearly aligned with our Paris objectives. Transition finance, on the other hand, and the way that we define transition finance in the OECD guidance 
is really about the dynamic process of becoming sustainable rather than a point in time assessment of what is already sustainable. And that allows us to look at all sectors in the economy in quite an encompassing way. So that means we, we can also bring in companies that are today quite polluting and have high emissions and help them reduce their emissions over time based on a credible company-wide transition plan that can get them to net zero. The OECD's 2022 Industry Survey on Transition Finance found that there's an emerging risk of greenwashing. Can you explain what greenwashing is, just in case people don't know? So the term greenwashing emerged when sustainable finance and environmental, social and governance investing, also called ESG investing, became more prominent in financial markets. And the, the idea is that some may claim that um, the financial instruments that they offer and the investments that they offer have a positive environmental or social benefit, but in reality, they don't. So it's kind of a marketing ploy in order to sell more um, financial products and get investors to invest into um, certain projects. And that's what we then call greenwashing. There are variations of that. Um, there's also social washing, for example, which is a term to describe the same phenomenon of mislabeling something as having a positive social contribution when in reality it doesn't. Why is there a risk and how can it be mitigated? So transition finance is very particular um, because it tries to be very inclusive of different sectors and different geographies, which sustainable finance doesn't always manage to do. For a number of different reasons um, and unfortunately this inclusiveness can come at the cost of environmental integrity so for example you might have a, a company that invests into a fossil fuel infrastructure um, which could lead to what we call carbon intensive lock-in and that is the type of transaction that might typically happen in um, ex some existing transition finance transactions and that is because transition finance tries to provide an avenue for decarbonization for companies that we consider today to be very polluting. But those decarbonization investments, depending on how they are, they are done, they can actually be more harmful than they do good. So one example of that may be a company that issues a transition finance instrument, like for example, a bond, uh, to improve their greenhouse gas emissions performance. So in theory, that's great. Um, but if the company is quite polluting today, an improvement in emissions performance might just be that they are replacing one polluting asset with another polluting asset. That's maybe a bit less polluting than the original asset, but still polluting. So the bottom line is that they are still having very high emissions. It's just that they showed some kind of improvement of, I don't know, 10% or 15%, but the bottom line is still pretty bad. So you could, for example, replace a coal-fired process with a gas-fired process, so using natural gas instead of coal, and that way you save a lot of emissions. But that new gas infrastructure will be online for many decades to come. So you need to have a plan to phase out those emissions too. And existing transition finance approaches or the transactions that we see in the market today don't always have that. And that's where the OECD guidance comes in and essentially stipulates that 
you need to have an entity-wide plan that can get you to net zero overall and not just have these incremental improvements that you may have when you issue a certain type of financial instrument. Many public and market initiatives have recently been set up to help companies develop, assess, or disclose their transition plans. The UK government launched a transition plan task force. Kate Levick explains the need for this task force and her work with them. The UK government um, has picked up on the increasing interest in transition finance and particularly the concept of transition planning, which is something that E3G had been working on for a while. So it was a very natural step for us to support the UK with this. Um, the UK has said that it's going to aim to become a net zero financial centre and has also said that it will put forward a um, sustainability disclosures regime. So to make a really comprehensive set of expectations for companies on how they should be reporting on sustainability issues, they've said that within that, they will expect initially listed companies and financial firms to report on their transition plans. And because there really isn't an awful lot of you know, established best practice in transition plans, it also said that it will create a task force essentially to advise on what a good transition plan looks like for all of these companies. And how's the work going? Is there a little bit of pushback? We have tremendous support from the companies that we're working with on the task force. Um, it's really been um, very impressive, the, the level of the support that we've had. We um, started work earlier in 2022. And so there's been a tremendous rate of work and we've really been supported in that by all the companies that are involved. The steering group, the, the officially appointed task force members are mainly corporate CEOs. We also have um, the Financial Conduct Authority UK regulator involved. We've had companies that are approaching us wanting to find ways to be involved um, in the various work streams and working groups. And we're looking forward to working with more companies as we put out our sector neutral framework to start testing it and um, doing a bit of road testing or sandboxing. The OECD's Transition Finance Survey also found that there are a lot of barriers for transition finance including lack of comparability and transparency and difficulties in measuring sustainability performance, which you just mentioned. Are these findings matching everything that you're seeing? I think, yes, we recognize that picture as well. I think what I'd say here in, in terms of why we think transition plans are so interesting, that when we talk about green finance and when we sometimes talk about you know, um, economic activities that perhaps shouldn't be financed anymore, it's easy to come up with a list. Well, not easy, but you know, you can you can see conceptually how you could come up with a list. Um, you know, these things are compliant with net zero; these things are not. Transition finance is financing a process, and it's not so easy to come up with a list-based approach. Um, defining what is valid transition finance for net zero is highly context-dependent. It depends on the company and even the site that you're talking about. Um, it depends on the national context. It depends on the geography that you're in. Um, it depends on the time and how long we have to meet the, the carbon budget, etc. There are so many factors. You, you can't do this in a list-based approach. And I think the market finds that very difficult because they want to almost be able to take a checklist and go, this is, this isn't. But you really have to go into the detail and decide in a context-based way. So what transition plans do is they give that responsibility to companies to set out that context, make the judgments on what will be the best decisions to make that transition. And then by publishing that plan, they enable a wider set of stakeholders, including their shareholders and perhaps civil society organizations as well, 
as well as the sort of wider financial data analysis community to all make a judgment, is this a robust and credible transition plan? And if it is, it's going to be a good sign that this is um, a good investment opportunity. These barriers to transition finance, like a lack of coordinating guidelines, is what the OECD sets out to fix with their guidance on transition finance. Elia Triple is the lead author of this guidance. The guidance on transition finance tries to address some of these problems, and in particular, the problem of greenwashing and comparability, by saying that all transition finance transactions, so all of those financial instruments and all the different transactions in the market, should always be anchored in the real economy, and they should always be based on credible transition plans by companies. And those transition plans they need to be aligned with the Paris Agreement and the temperature goal of the Paris Agreement. And to do that, they need to contain company-wide, very robust decarbonization strategies. And that can then form the basis of financial instruments. And so the guidance sets out 10 key elements of credible corporate transition plans. And the idea is to provide direction to market actors and to support policymakers who might want to develop policy frameworks in the area. We have the OECD Forum on Green Finance and Investment coming up. Can you tell me a little bit about what we can expect to see and hear? So the Green Finance and Investment Forum is is an annual OECD flagship event. And it is now in its ninth year. And we will have the next one on the 5th, 6th, and 7th of October of this year. And it will take place virtually. So it means that anybody can register, anybody can listen in. And I think we will have quite a strong focus on transition finance, but also on other topics that are related to sustainable and green finance more broadly. This year, we're planning on having a series of quite high-level plenary sessions and different types of parallel sessions around the broader theme of moving from commitments to actions in what we call the decade for delivery. And we really want to focus on impactful green and sustainable finance. So the idea is to bring together the most influential global actors, both from the public and the private sector, and to discuss different policies and changes that are required to make sure that sustainable and green finance actually delivers what it promises and actually has an impact in the real economy. We will have a high-level plenary on the way forward for transition finance, where we will, of course, also talk about the OECD guidance. And that session will be followed by another high-level plenary, high-level meaning it tends to be CEO-level participants in the panel. And that second plenary will be on improving market practices to finance a climate transition and strengthen ESG investing. And on that same same day, at the end of the day, we will have a session on the responsible retirement of polluting assets and how to finance that. And we're going to ask the question of whether a just transition, so a transition that is just for communities and workers and anybody affected, whether that can also be profitable for investors. So we have a ton of information on our forum website, which is in the description of this podcast, I believe. And so anybody who is interested um, is very welcome to visit the website to see the forum agenda and obviously to register to take part in the forum and to listen in on the sessions. What do you see as the next important development in this space? 
What more is needed? So to achieve the goals of the Paris Agreement, and in particular the temperature goal of the Paris Agreement, which is to limit global temperatures to below, well below, sorry, well below 2 degrees Celsius, aiming for 1.5 degrees Celsius, we need to unfortunately find a solution to um, ongoing fossil fuel processes. So there are very clear conclusions from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, that show that we should not be continuing our investments in unabated fossil fuel infrastructure that will not get us to this temperature goal of the Paris Agreement. And there are quite clear uh, scenarios that they have set out that show that we need to be retiring our, some of our existing fossil fuel assets and retrofit most of them in order to get to net zero because 1.5 and also well below 2 degrees in any event implies that we need to get to net zero emissions at a certain point in time globally. 1.5 generally meaning that we need to get there by 2050. I think that one key question in this space and one that um, the market and different actors that are active in this space are starting to talk about um, will be how countries whose economies are very reliant on fossil fuels can ultimately transition. Um, and a part of that is, of course, the question of how to transition the oil and gas sector as a whole, but also how to manage the responsible retirement of assets that today are very emitting. Um, unfortunately, there, there is really a large amount of what we would call legacy assets that we think will continue to pollute for decades to come if we don't find a way to retire them early and maybe retrofit some of them to be zero or near zero emissions, depending on the type of asset. So for example, we know that in Asia, existing coal-fired power plants on average are only 13 years old and those assets can operate for 40 or 50 years which you know gets us of course much beyond 2050 so we need to find a solution for those assets and a solution that of course is is responsible and is just and takes into account also the impact on local communities and on workers and helps them um, helps to retrain and reskill them, for example. So that is a big frontier at the moment in transition finance, I would say. Kate, what do you see for the future for transition finance? Well, I think transition plans clearly are a growing international norm. So I do expect to see them passing through into national regulation in numerous countries in the next few years, whether it's in a direct way, as the UK is currently planning to do, or whether it's through them passing into international standards like TCFD and the ISSB and then being picked up by countries through that route, for example, when they adopt the ISSB framework. Um, I think that also the market will mature in terms of other instruments to invest in transition. Um, I think there'll be more of an understanding, for example, that um, when you're looking at sustainability bonds, that a credible approach to transition within that is part of sustainability. What are some of the misconceptions or things that people need to know about transition finance? It's extremely important to remember that transition finance is not only about um, decarbonisation and about reaching those net zero emissions targets in the sense of 
um, adjusting high missing activities and finding ways to stop doing them. Transition finance is absolutely about identifying and scaling up the net zero opportunities and the new industries and new solutions. Because of the way that net zero targets take our minds in terms of decreases over time, it's very easy for that not to be centered, but actually transition plans and transition finance is all about scaling up green and getting to that point where actually all finance is now green finance. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to OECD Podcasts. To learn more about the OECD's work on transition finance and read the OECD guidance on transition finance, go to oecd.org slash cgfi. You can also register to virtually attend the OECD Forum on Green Finance and Investment, taking place October 5th through 7th. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD.